0: Welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm so excited to have you join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs in the photography industry as we discuss photography, building a business, and still having a life through it all. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom post-production for the wedding and portrait photographer. And now, let's dive into conversation. We are live. I'm here with my friend Rachel Solomon, who is visiting us all the way from... Well, I say, now. first of all, we have to be really specific. We're actually sitting here in a conference center at the Photo Native Conference Mm -hmm. in Utah, Provo, Utah, just about an hour outside of... Not quite an hour outside of Salt uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. And you are visiting us from...
1: I am visiting from Phoenix, Arizona.
0: So you're along... Not only are you a long way from home, but... This is a slightly different temperature <laughs> than you're used to as well.
1: Yes, quite a bit different than the hot Arizona desert.
0: And the scenery. Uh, you're looking out the window there. Uh-huh. You're seeing these stunning mountains. I, I'm i like a kid with, my, with, my, with the camera on my phone constantly <laughs> taking pictures and video. I'm absolutely mesmerized by it. It's almost surreal.
1: Oh, my gosh. It's so gorgeous. And <laughs> when I first showed up at the airport... All the people that were getting their luggage were also getting all their skis and all their winter ski- right. snow gear and everything. And I'm thinking, oh, so that's a thing that people do here, <laughs> apparently. Absolutely. <is> ski. <laughs> well, this would
0: this would be the place to do it. So, are you originally from Arizona? Where, whereabouts are you from?
1: Um, I'm originally from Indiana, born and raised. Um, go Hoosiers! Yes, go Hoosiers! Uh, I went to school in Indiana University, got a degree in theater packed up my car after college, and drove out to Los Angeles to be a movie star.
0: And what happened?
1: <laughs> well, that After did you not finished happen. your
0: extensive film career.
1: Yes, um, I lived there for about three years, and then I moved to Phoenix, Arizona, Okay. and became a real estate agent. Did that for about 10 years, uh, selling new homes in new home communities all over the valley. And the last two years of that job, I started developing my photography business.
0: Okay, but that's a massive transition from real estate into photography. So tell us a little bit more about that. How did that happen?
1: I didn't really like my job, even though I did it for about 10 years. Um, Mostly I didn't like it because I didn't really like working for someone else. I didn't like making money for someone else. Um, And I actually
0: heard you say that in your presentation this morning, and I I like how you worded that. that. That really, that idea that you are putting so much of your time and effort and energy, so much of your life into, I mean, you may be making a buck here and there, but making money for somebody else when you could be focusing all of that energy and effort on something of your own. That's a pretty eye opening moment when you, when you realize that.
1: Yeah, it is. And in fact, I mean, it was, it was frustrating for several years because I was working really, really hard I felt like like I was making money for other people, and it was just kind of depressing. So I wanted to do something creative. So I got a, had a degree in theater. I also play the trumpet. So I have a um, musical background, and I just still wanted to be creative and create things. And I, I wasn't being creative at all in my job. So you needed a
0: creative <laughs> outlet of some kind. Yes. Okay.
1: So I went on some short-term mission trips to uh, Uganda, Africa. And before I went on my trips, I wanted to, I knew I wanted to bring back pretty pictures from my trip of the people in the village that we were working in. So I bought my first DSLR camera. Uh, It was a Canon Rebel. Okay. And the kit lens is all I had. And um, met with somebody who was, just showed me the basics on like how to turn it on and um, how to just do, just take a picture with this camera that I had never used before. So off I went to Africa with this camera and uh, I ended up going three different summers and each time bringing um, different lenses and I'd rented some gear and ultimately brought back pretty pictures from my trip um, it was an incredibly fulfilling trip but I wanted to bring back this imagery that also would hopefully impact other people when they saw the photos sure sure yeah so uh, one of the girls that worked for the organization that I went with they have a gallery first Friday gallery in downtown Phoenix and they asked me to exhibit some of my Africa photos, so I did, and of course your mom, face
0: kind of lit up as you say I did. You were pretty <laughs> yeah. excited about that. Well,
1: it was pretty cool at the time, but I mean, the the people that came were all my friends, and yeah. so everyone you know was very complimentary, as they have to be because they're my friends. Anyway, the the guy that helped me hang my photos on the wall was a wedding photographer. You know, I started thinking, hmm, this guy seems to be doing okay, being creative and earning a living, and doing well. And so I just kind of latched onto that and started asking this person a million questions. Um, you know, at the time I'm still thinking starving artist like I was when I lived in Los Angeles, like I couldn't even imagine earning an income and building a career being a photographer. So, um, I ended up second shooting with this person. Um, for about a year. He was really nice and generous. And he said, okay, go take classes here, go online to this forum and learn all of these things. And this is the kind of gear you should buy. So I did all of that and, um, really just fell in love with weddings and the energy and the emotions and everything surrounding weddings. And so that was five, six years ago, I guess.
0: Really? So So not even that long ago. mm
1: -hmm, Yeah. I, I worked my butt off because I, didn't get started when I was in my early twenties, like a lot of people do. I, I feel like I got a little bit of a late start, and so I really wanted to be successful in the shortest amount of time possible. And so I did everything I could to learn and practice to get where I am today.
0: So five years ago, and weddings was really kind of your focus. Did you are you shooting? How many weddings do you shoot in a year right now?
1: Uh, I shoot. I'm shooting currently about 30 weddings per year.
0: Okay, and then are you shooting portraits in addition to that, or mm-hmm. is it that the focus just weddings?
1: My wedding packages include an engagement session. Okay. So I'm shooting about 30 weddings plus engagement sessions. Got it. And then some family work um, here and there.
0: And one of the things that you were actually speaking about here at the conference, you had a presentation earlier this morning, was um, hybrid shooting. So shooting film and digital. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you got into just for the fun of it because it was different? Uh, did you find that it that it helped your creativity? What was what was the motivation behind that?
1: Well, that's a really good question. Um, for a while, when I first started uh, shooting digital and shooting weddings in general, it took me a long time to really kind of hone in my style and develop that signature look that everyone talks about that you have to have. So um, it just took a while and. I had all kinds of different editing styles and eventually started falling into kind of that light and bright and airy style, um, kind of a fine art style, I guess, if you will. So, but I couldn't get that look. I I was really struggling hard to edit my photos in a way that I liked and that, that lended itself to that look. So I started reaching out to several photographers who I admired and asked them, What kind of presets they were using? What are you doing to make your photos look this way? What kind of gear are you using? And about like 99% of them all wrote back and said they were shooting actual film. Ah, okay. So, which at the time I didn't even know was a thing. Like people are shooting film, like actual rolls of film <laughs> so
0: had you even shot film before no
1: well when i was a kid like okay. you have like a little 126 yeah. camera or whatever those little dinky things are like
0: the little point and shoot yeah with yeah. the flash
1: bulbs and stuff yeah so that's what i had growing up but it all looked terrible so i never really thought that that was something that people did in a day where digital is so prevalent right so and
0: so inexpensive as a side note. right yeah.
1: right yeah <laughs> yes that was a big lesson i learned when i first started shooting film uh, was how expensive it is. So, uh, so now I'm h- learning all these people are shooting film and it's beautiful and it has this gorgeous dreamy, like painterly effect to it. And I'm just falling in love with this look of this film. And so I just decided, shoot, I'm just going to buy a k- film camera and start shooting film. Like, why not? Let's do it. So I did. Um, I bought a camera. I had never shot it before and attended a film workshop two weeks later. Um, I loaded my first roll of film, learned how to use a light meter, and just um, practice, practiced, practiced. And that was uh, about two and a half years ago. So I've been shooting film and digital at weddings for about two and a half years.
0: I love the process of using a. I think we were actually talking about this earlier. Using a totally manual film camera. There's there's something almost, and I think I actually chatted about this with one of our other podcast interviewees. But there's something so meditative about setting a camera up the, the particular camera that i'm thinking about is a it's a 6x6 six six twin lens camera that i have that load it with 120 film set it up on a tripod and you know every bit of it is manual you're setting the aperture you're setting the the shutter speed you're taking the time to actually focus it i have a shutter release this cable shutter release so it kind of looks old school but it's so much fun to take the time to set up an individual shot as opposed to what we're used to with digital cameras where you're just pushing that button and you know a thousand images later uh, now you have to go do a bunch of post-production which we're actually going to talk about here in just a second but I, I love the the very well it really forces you to be present and and think through the process of taking an individual image and i just love that i love the feeling and i love that process do you find something similar in, in your experience with film cameras
1: i do and, in fact, um, that's one of the reasons why I love shooting film so much is I, I feel like it involves me more than it does the camera, if that makes sense. Like, I'm Interesting. I, feel I, like
0: like I like how you put that, yeah.
1: Yeah, so it's not so much the camera doing the work. It's more like I'm doing the work because it is a lot more manual. Um, the
0: responsibility is on you, right? Yes, right. Yeah. So
1: you have to really know what you're doing. Um, but... In all honesty, once you do know what you're doing, I feel like it's actually a little bit easier to shoot than it is uh, to shoot a digital camera. It's really only got a couple buttons that you need to deal with. Right. So.
0: And you're, and you're not constantly tempted to look at a, an LCD, right?
1: Right. Yeah. And so ultimately it has made me a better photographer because I've been able to slow down, be very thoughtful about each photo that I take. Because every time I click the shutter, it costs me about $2. And that is a huge chunk of change um, to think about. You know, you can't shoot thousands and thousands of photos no. on a wedding day. You so won't have
0: much of a margin. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it had really made me rethink um, just even how I approach shooting a wedding and being very thoughtful and focused uh, on each photo that I take. So instead of taking five different shots of a cake and – looking at the screen after each one and <laughs> right. fixing this and fixing yeah. that. I'm only shooting one maybe two photos of the cake wow. and um just making sure before I click the shutter that everything is the way I want it. Candles are in a, the right place, the serving platter is in the right place, all that stuff is where I want it before I actually um take the photo.
0: That's great. Now you mentioned something there that caught my attention. You you talked about a process having a process. And photographers I think you're a bit notorious for approaching their business in a a bit of a haphazard way, right? They try a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Right. And it ultimately affects the efficiency in which they run their business, which then translates to a lack of freedom and flexibility. And we we talk a lot about photography and the photography business at the Boca podcast, but ultimately I like to find out what photographers are doing to save themselves time. And one of the things that you shared in your presentation earlier today was this concept of outsourcing or delegating your post-production elsewhere. And so I'm curious, first of all, what motivated you to even consider that possibility to begin with?
1: Well, first of all, I was not very good at editing. I really just never honed in on that skill. And I think part of the reason I never got very good at it is because I didn't enjoy it. And so it, it was just something that I dreaded and put off and procrastinated and, you know, just sitting there for hours going back and forth, um, this photo or that photo, this photo or that photo, um, this much contrast or this much contrast on and on and on for hundreds of photos. And, um, I mean, it's just, it was really draining and frustrating. And I, I absolutely hated that part of my business. And so I actually learned about your company, photographers edits through, um, a visit that you made to Phoenix and, uh, really started to understand that people this was again something that people did outsource their work, yeah, and um so it definitely was something I started to look into a little bit more, but it did take some time for me to be comfortable with giving up such a significant part of my work, even though I hated it and it took forever um it was still it was still something that I was hanging on to that was really hard to let go of.
0: And this is something that I hear from photographers a good bit they they're apprehensive about in fact I was just chatting with somebody earlier today I think was talking about the fact that they were so apprehensive of the notion of giving up control of that process it's their baby it's their artwork Um, so what would you say I mean give us give us two or three steps to getting to a place where you can actually outsource what what did that look like for you.
1: And yeah, actually, I hear that a lot from a lot of other photographers too. And even in groups that I'm in on Facebook, like people, the things that people say a lot and I, I felt the same way at first too, is that no one, no one can do what I can do. Um, No one can create this beautiful look that I have created. This is my style. This is my signature look and no one else can do that but me. I went to a conference once where someone had said that clients, their expectations are good quality photos consistently and in a reasonable time frame yes not it's perfection. really as simple as that yeah they don't need perfection on every single image and I realized that that is what I had been spending all my time trying to do is get perfection on every single image that I delivered to my client and that is not what they want so that was the first thing that I had to realize that what I I thought client expectations were, were not actually the case.
0: Yeah. You were actually, you were projecting. I think a lot of photographers do this. They kind of project their, well, their assumptions and, and this, in regards to this particular topic onto their clients. And really probably 99% of these clients certainly don't notice, but neither do they care, at least not as much as we do. I, and I can still, the example that I give all the time is I love going to friends' homes and looking at the snapshots on their refrigerator. And, those those snapshots aren't anything fancy. They're not necessarily framed that beautifully or color corrected perfectly. Right. Many times they may not even be totally sharp, but it's those little moments with some legitimate emotion that captures a particular moment that was important to them in, in their lives. That's what matters. If somebody gives me a picture of me and my kids enjoying a moment together, laughing together, I don't care if it's framed perfectly or color corrected perfectly or uh, it, I'm not looking to see if there's a little bit too much cyan or mm-hmm. magenta in the right. image. These are, these are details that we as photographers will certainly think about. And it's, it's good that we're aware of them, but we can't then take or project, I guess, those preferences on our clients because what that ultimately does then is kind of sucks our life away from mm-hmm from this process of running a business so right. anyway I don't want to interrupt you please continue but I, I, I love that you make that point because that awareness is really a turning point I think for many photographers
1: um so yeah so giving up that control was a huge like breath of fresh air for me
0: a relief probably it was
1: and and honestly when I first started I think I gave up one wedding I'm like I'll just give it a shot just if it is terrible then I never have to do it again but I was pleasantly surprised um that you know I got back whatever six seven hundred images that looked really good and that I felt comfortable delivering to my clients so then the proof was in the pudding so it was just taking that first step Hmm. um just giving up a little bit of control and a little and trusting someone a little bit that they can do they can do their job um that was a big turning point for me
0: so what you you went through this process or kind of this realization of okay i don't have to micromanage this process in order to have a happy client as an end result um, were there are there any other steps in this process of giving up control or was that kind of the turning point the primary turning point for you
1: um no that well that was it, but part of it was um, the time component, so it was taking. I don't know. And then this is a very conservative estimate, maybe five hours per wedding. And when I first started was probably closer to eight. Right. um, Because I didn't really know as much about what I was doing. And that is a huge amount of time that I'm just being sucked into this editing chair of death sitting behind my computer (laughs) when I have all this other stuff that I need to be doing to, to do my business. And I just felt like I never had time to do anything. So, being able to give up that huge section and that huge component of my workflow, um, really freed up my time to be able to better invest that time back into my business and grow my business instead of just trying to get by.
0: Well, and I think a lot of photographers, they, they get stuck on the artistic side of running their business, which is, is wonderful. I mean, they should invest time and effort and energy into that, that side of the business, but it is a business to begin with. And that amount of time spent doing something that is certainly needs to be done, but obviously doesn't necessarily require them to be involved and isn't actually increasing their bottom line. It's not a great use of time at that point. A lot of photographers talk about the fact that they enjoy it and that's great. I think there can be a balance even in that situation there where they're handing over the majority of that busy work of, of doing the basic editing work or basic color correction. Mm -hmm. And then maybe maybe, managing part of the process, the images for the blog or the images that go on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, if, if they love that creative outlet, then great. Do it for a little bit, but give the majority of it to somebody else to handle so that they then have the time to do things that are going to actually build their business, that actually makes good use of their time. Um, another component too, something that photographers, and I'm sure you, you said you're a type A personality, mm. so you consider yeah. all the details, but our time is worth money. And right. a lot of photographers aren't considering how much money their time is worth? How much am I worth an hour? And how does this break down? So if I'm spending 8, 10, 12, 16, 20 hours processing a wedding, how much does that actually cost? And then looking at other options like photographers edit or other companies, if they can do it for, let's say a couple hundred dollars, how much money do I save by giving it to somebody else? And then how much money can I make on top of that now that I have this extra free time to go do things that'll build my business? So there are a few technical details to consider, but it's part of running a business. And when you do the math, um, you come out way, way, way ahead if you're able to hand that that editing work up to somebody else.
1: Right, exactly. And once that light bulb went off in my head, that was like, Oh my gosh, this is the most amazing thing I've ever, like the greatest (laughs) decision I've ever made. Because I, you know, you think, so I, so some people like to spend money in order to save time. Hmm. Um, And some people like to spend time to save money. I like to spend money to save time. That's just how I like to run my business. Um, And I like
0: how you break that down. But the thing about the the big difference between those two resources is that money is renewable, right? Time isn't.
1: Right. Yeah. So what are you going to do with the time that you have? So let's say I have 25 weddings a year. I shoot 25 to 30 weddings a year. I deliver about 600 wedding photos, about 75 engagement photos. Let's say you're charging $5,000 for a wedding. So so that ultimately you're earning about seven, a little over $7 per photo is what you're earning. But most outsourcing companies are about 30 cents an image to do the edits. So you're, you're earning over $7 per photo, but you're paying 30 cents a photo to have someone edit them for you. So you are spending money, but you're also saving time. So those hours that you're saving, and it takes, let's say five, I don't know, let's say it takes five hours to edit all those weddings. That's about 125 hours of your life, about 5.2 days of your life that you're spending behind a computer and you're editing chair of death. That you'll never <laughs> I, I get back.
0: That. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard it phrased that way, but that's a pretty apt description, yes. I think. Oh
1: my gosh. So if you have an extra 5.2 days, what can you do with that time? Um, I choose for the most part to reinvest that time back into my business, into growing and developing my business. So let's say, okay, I've got five days. I spend those five days meeting with five wedding planners. So I now have the potential to book five more weddings. So... Now I have booked another five weddings at $5,000. So that's like twenty another twenty five grand in my pocket for the year. It cost me approximately, I don't know, $6,000 to have someone edit all those photos for me. And that ends up being about $19,000 extra income that I have in my pocket because I outsourced my photos. So for me, that's worth it.
0: And you could almost mic drop at that point. You summed it up <laughs> mic pretty <drop>. brilliantly. I <laughs> love it. So outsourcing post-production is probably the biggest time saver when it comes to running a photography business but we were talking about structure earlier systems the importance of systems in business this is certainly one component give us a couple other tips ideas places where you or systems that you've put in place that help you save time in your business and in your personal life ultimately
1: oh sure um so, because I'm very Type A, and I think also when I did that real estate job, one of the big parts of my job was lead management. Um, so we worked heavily with a client relationship management system, and so we were actually are compensated or bonus based on how kind of how how well we managed those leads. So I learned that very well. And when I started my photography business, I was able to bring over those systems and processes into my photography business. So one of the things that I do on a daily basis, um, it helps save me time, but it's because I have systems and processes in place. And I use a program called ShootQ. It's basically a a lead management system, but you can book clients through it. You, You have build workflows in there. You can collect payments that way. So you can do a lot of things. There's a lot of programs out there that do that. I use ShootQ. Um, So for me, having a system in place, I have a very specific workflow system that I assign to each client. So I'm not spending time, okay, what do I need to do with this client today? Where am I at? What do they need? What uh, emails do I need to send to them? All of that is basically pre-planned for me based on a workflow system that I set up so each day I just log on to my computer I see all my task lists for that day and I just work through them so it really ultimately it it just helps me be a lot less scatterbrained and a lot more organized
0: well and I would I would venture in fact based on plenty of conversations that I've had with so many photographers over the years that idea of being scatterbrained I mean I'm it's something I suffer from regularly myself. If I don't have some type of structure in place that kind of drives what I do on a day-to-day basis, then we're back to what I was describing again earlier, that idea of being haphazard in what you do. You just kind of do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, something that comes across your virtual desk, and, and you just your, your focus is redirected to that thing, and then something else comes across you're redirected to that thing. If you don't have a system in place, then the way that you function is not near as efficient as it could be. A lot of time is wasted. And then, uh, let's be real, you don't have as much time in the end to watch Netflix, right?
1: Exactly. <laughs> what do you do with all the free time you have? <laughs> I love Netflix.
0: Binge watch Netflix, right?
1: I am not ashamed to admit it.
0: <laughs> well, but back to the shoot queue, and I know one of the things that I've heard over the years regarding shoot queue, and this may be true with some other systems as well, is the time investment up front that it takes mm-hmm. to put to put the workflows together. There's no question that putting systems structure. In or implementing that in our businesses, it takes a bit of time investment. But on the flip side, once that system or those systems are in place, you have so much more freedom and flexibility as a result. Uh, One of the things that I say to photographers a good bit is that art and structure are not mutually exclusive. Just because you are an artist type doesn't mean that you can't have some structure. And in fact, if you actually take the time, put the effort and energy into putting the systems in place to begin with, then you then have more freedom and flexibility to practice your art. And that's kind of the, um, um, well, not quite the irony, but ultimately the, the dichotomy, right? You, you put the systems in place, you then have time for the art. And they actually coexist together. So it's not even a dichotomy, they coexist. <laughs> uh, but we have to be a bit disciplined up front, put that time and energy and effort into putting the systems in place, and then the benefit is there. We can practice our art, we can have more time with our friends and our family, Uh, And we can watch more Netflix.
1: Yes, absolutely. (laughs) You can travel. Um, I travel a lot. I actually outsource a lot of other things in my personal life besides business stuff, too. I mean, I outsource my house cleaning. Um, It's something I don't enjoy doing. So I pay someone to do it for me. And um, so that's like two hours every two weeks that I can do other things. Right. Um, I just started doing grocery delivery. Um, It's fabulous. So I highly recommend it. I order groceries online and they yeah. magically appear in my kitchen. So um, I hate grocery shopping with a passion. I feel like it's a huge waste of time. I, next thing I know, I've been in there for two hours. I right. can't find anything. No one's there to help. <laughs> it's frustrating. So, um, yeah, grocery delivery is something I just started doing and I, I love it. So I don't just outsource things in just my business, but I do in my personal life as well. And um, ultimately it does allow me to do other things, spend time with friends and family and travel and just relax and watch Netflix.
0: Perfect. And, and that sums it up brilliantly, really. I really appreciate you sharing your perspective on this idea of delegation, of outsourcing, because I know it can kind of freak a lot of photographers out, the idea of giving up control. The reality is yeah, there may be a process of giving up control, but the benefits in the end, both for your business and your personal life, way outweigh the the potential fear, uh, or not even the potential, the fear involved in, in giving up that control. Maybe even the, the slight trade-off, right? Having somebody else do it instead of you, maybe it's not 100% exactly the way that you did it, but again, the benefits, significantly outweigh that slight difference. The clients aren't gonna notice. They're probably gonna be happier because now the turnaround time, if we're talking about post production for example, right. turnaround time is so much faster, so much more consistent. Yep. You're building a better name for yourself as a brand. Uh, It's just a win-win all around. So I really appreciate your sharing your perspective on that. Tell our listeners where they can find you online, Instagram, your website, et cetera.
1: You can find me online at uh, rachel-solomon.com. And my Instagram is at rachelsolomonphoto.
0: Brilliant. Thank you so much. Thanks for taking time to chat with us, Rachel. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. If you'd like to hear a particular photographer or entrepreneur in a future episode, don't hesitate to email me, Nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom post-production for the wedding and portrait photographer.